What's happening there, guys? I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, whether it's on Periscope or Facebook Live or eventually YouTube or the podcast. We appreciate you joining us. If you miss any of this live, once again, you can watch it back or go check out the podcast on iTunes if you do that. And then all you got to do is screenshot a rating and a review of the podcast and iTunes. Email me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. It's a good deal. The podcast has done better than any other platform we've had this season, so we appreciate that. So uh, once again, please do check us out on the podcast if you're not already on Facebook Live, Periscope, YouTube, whatever it might be. Well, the season has one week left. I don't know where the heck it's going. I can't figure it out, but the season has one week left in it, and the Big 12 is as good a conference as there is in terms of excitement over these final couple of weeks. You look at what is left now in the Big 12 and where this thing stands. So if Texas beats Kansas, which is no guarantee, the Longhorns are in the Big 12 championship game. Once again, no guarantee, but if they win the game, they're in. And then it's basically pretty simple. The winner of Oklahoma-West Virginia then gets in. Oklahoma and West Virginia could end up at a rematch if KU wins. That's what could happen. If KU beats Texas, then you'll have a rematch of Oklahoma-West Virginia. That's a worst-case scenario for the Big 12 Conference. They don't want to see that because then the uh, it would not be nearly as meaningful that night game on Friday between Oklahoma and West Virginia. It'd be a weird... I guess it would still have meaning for OU in the college football playoff race, but I, I think that ship has sailed with the way this defense is playing. So be, uh, be sure to chime in on Facebook Live on Periscope. Already getting some comments. Uh, Steven, ISU fan here. Tough loss last night. Think Snyder can pull it off next week. I'm nervous. Boy, that would be something else. If Bill Snyder magically pulls off a win, gets this Kansas State team to bull eligibility, and they basically say, you know, we were going to fire this guy or make him step down. Well, he got us six wins again. Can we really do it? That would be something. I got to imagine that even... I think Kansas State fans are sitting there and saying, okay, we got our win on Saturday on senior day, sending Bill Schneider out on a high note, hopefully. I wonder if even Kansas State fans want him to win on Saturday. I would imagine a lot of Kansas State fans that are ready to move on don't want Bill Snyder to win on Saturday for the simple fact that it might give boosters, administrators uh, second thoughts, and it might give Snyder more leverage, too. I, I I would not want that to happen. And I'm saying that as somebody that respects the hell out of Bill Snyder, but also thinks it's time for him to move on. So that's a fascinating question. I don't believe that uh, that Kansas State's going to pull it off. I think Iowa State's going to get revenge after last season. But K-State's defense is playing really well. Well, let's get into what happened this past week because it was a, uh, a fascinating week of Big 12 football. Let's kick it off with Baylor and TCU. That was an embarrassment for Baylor. I thought Baylor would win that game with relative ease. And then TCU loses its second-string quarterback in Michael Collins. they got to play the guy Grayson Muelstein. And Baylor still can't win the game with TCU as banged up as any team in the, in the conference and playing its third-string quarterback. I like Matt Rule. I'm impressed by Matt Rule. Um, I don't think Matt Rule should be in any kind of trouble what he's done with this program over the last couple of years at all. But he's got to take responsibility for that embarrassing performance on Saturday. TCU simply wanted it more. 
You can't describe it any other way. Gary Patterson wanted it more, TCU wanted it more, and for Baylor to not want it more with this group of seniors that have been through hell and back under this uh, program, in this program, to not get those guys out on the right foot on senior day in front of your home crowd, which was rocking and rolling at McLean Stadium, is embarrassing. Two of 13 on third downs. 300, low 300 total yards for the day. I know Gary Patterson is a uh, defensive whiz. I understand it. I respect him for it. But they had no business holding that Baylor team to what, nine points yesterday? No way. I'm, I'm sorry. That was a letdown performance for Matt Rule. He's got to take responsibility for it. And I just, you know, his defense played well. Granted, the, the TCU offense is junk. But that second Jalen Rager touchdown, and he's bouncing off defenders left and right. And these guys are taking horrific angles, absolutely horrific angles on people. And it was a, an ugly performance. And, you know, it's, it was, I felt for the Baylor fans. They lost a turnover battle, three zip. Uh, you know, they had the interception. They had a couple of fumbles. And TCU, give them credit. They are now one win away from getting back to a bowl game for the 16th time in 18 years under Gary Patterson. I didn't see that coming this season about a month, month and a half ago. But that's what they look like. They have, a, Or they do have a chance of doing it. I don't know if they can do it. You know, I think they're playing who? Oklahoma State this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma State is as confusing as any team in America. But I give Gary Patterson a hell of a lot of credit for that win on Saturday because this team should not have won that game. And it did. And, you know, Charlie Brewer looked as lost as he had in his career on Saturday. And nothing was clicking for him. And, and frankly, the entire offense wasn't really clicking. So it was it was a bad performance for Baylor. And now they go into a game against Texas Tech where the winner is going bowling and the loser is not. It's a strangely very important game this weekend for both these programs and both these head coaches. And I thought both of them would win on Saturday, so they both would go into this game bowl eligible and it wouldn't have a ton of meeting. But they both actually lost, which makes this Baylor-Texas Tech game in Arlington this weekend that much more fascinating when you think about it. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't see that coming. I didn't. Chime in, of course, on Periscope or on Facebook Live as well. Leave your comments, your questions there, and we'll keep it rolling. Let's dive into that Texas Tech-Kansas State game. K-State defense played very well the last few weeks. Give them a heck of a lot of credit for how the defense has played in particular. Now, Jet Duffy's not a good quarterback. What Cliff Kingsbury has done with that guy and make him into a decent quarterback has been incredibly impressive because I don't think he's any good. And he finally started to get very exposed yesterday. Uh, he was 19-27 for 150 yards with no touchdowns and one interception. And, you know, I will give Blake Siler credit because there have been times this year when I've questioned whether or not he was the right hire. A guy did not have a ton of experience. You know, Bill Snyder promoted him from inside the program because, let's be honest, what big-time coordinator was going to come to a team and come to a program where the coach was going year to year? Uh, not a lot of people are going to do that. But... Siler's defense has looked much better as of late, and they held a very good, a very good Texas Tech offense in check. Held them to what, 30-something yards on the ground, I think it was? I mean, it was darn impressive. Texas Tech, I'm going to pull it up here. 30 total, yeah, 31 yards on the ground for Texas Tech. And now Tech's not a great running offense, but they're able to uh, put some points on the board. 
And for them to be held to 181 total yards, while K-State just racked it up with 367, which by their standards is a lot of yards. I mean, Kansas State's offense is not any good, and they dominated the time of possession with 38 minutes. Uh, they were great on third downs, 7-16. They played a classic Bill Snyder football game. And if this is it for Bill Snyder, if this is the final game for Bill Snyder on the sidelines as the head coach in Bill Snyder Family Stadium, he went out not just with a win, but with this team playing classic K-State football. Low turnovers, dominate the time, or no, uh, they had one turnover, but they won the turnover battle, three to one. They won the penalty battle. They won the time of possession. They were great on third down. That is how Bill Snyder built this program and built this team up. In many ways, Matt Campbell is now out Bill Snydering Bill Snyder in terms of the low penalties, the great turnover margin ratio, uh, those type of things that were always synonymous with Bill Snyder programs. Now, it's Matt Campbell who does that. But it used to be that it was all about Bill Snyder, who was as good as that, good at that as anybody in America. Um, and he was that team, which has not been good this year, did that perfectly yesterday, and they deserve all the credit in the world. And if that's it for Bill Snyder, uh, they sent them out on top. And it sets up, as I mentioned, a couple of interesting games this weekend where Kansas State can beat Iowa State to become bowl eligible. And now Tech, who's lost four in a row, has got to find itself in a situation where if it wants to get to a bowl game, they got to win. Yeah, K-State special teams is back. Well, after special teams have been a mess all season, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go quite that far. Sorry, Adam, I'm not going to do it. I still think Sean Snyder has uh, certainly not lived up to his expectations or potential this season. I'm not going to let him off the hook that easy. Just not going to do it. Sorry. But I, I get your point. I do. I do, and it's always uh, it's always well-deserved and well-respected. We're on Periscope. We're on Facebook Live. Leave your comments. Leave your questions there. We'll put it up on the podcast as well. And please do rate, review the podcast, and send me a screenshot. Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I will get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Okay. This one, West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Oh, my God. Mike Gundy does it again. Again, this guy beats a top 10 team at home when he can't beat Baylor and he can't beat Kansas State. I don't get what the heck's going on in Stillwater. This team is as Jekyll and Hyde as anybody in America. They win a big game. They lose a, they lose a horrific game. I can't figure them out for the life of me. And by the way, Oklahoma State fans, don't storm the field. You won 30 games the past three seasons. You've won two top 10 games this year. You just won the game to become bull eligible. Don't storm the field. You're better than that. Your program is bigger than that. It makes you look small when you're storming the field to improve to 6-5 and five with a top 10 win when you've already got one this year. I, you can't you just stop. I... I <laughs> Listen, I know they're college kids. You want to have fun, but I don't. I just don't get the storming the field mantra. I don't think it makes you. You know, I'll give you an example. Is OU ever storming the field? Is Texas ever storming the field? Is Notre Dame ever storming the field? Is Ohio State ever storming the field? Is Alabama ever storming the field? No, they're not. 
And there's a reason they're not, because they view themselves as worthy of winning every game. And Oklahoma State's at the point in this program under Mike Gundy where I know this is a down year, but this is a team that's competed near the top of the Big 12 each of the past three years. And for most of Mike Gundy's tenure, they've been as good and as competitive as just about anybody in the conference. And to be storming the field, I'm sorry, is a weak look. You can't do it. Anyway, uh, you got to also get on Dana Holgerson here. This is a guy who has a Heisman contender at quarterback. And a couple of times this year on the road, this team has not competed well. And to blow that fourth quarter lead in the manner that they did is, um, you know, Dana Holgerson's not going anywhere. He's not. But at the same time, it's, it's unforgivable to finish this game the way this team did. I, you just you can't do it, and it's happened in West Virginia a couple of times, and it seems to happen under Dana Holgerson every year. They lose a couple of these games where they shouldn't lose them, where they're favorites. And you know, I, I know that Oklahoma State has a great receiving core. I I get it from from Wall- Tylen Wallace to Tyron Johnson to even guys like uh, Stoner and they're on down. They got some nice players. They do, but at the same time. Gosh almighty, West Virginia has got to close out that game in better fashion than it did. And I don't understand why Dana Holgerson has these problems. Time and time again, it seems like. And in a year when, you know, they can still make the Big 12 championship game. The problem for West Virginia, they got no chance in hell now at a college football playoff, obviously, with two losses. That chance is out the window. It was probably going to be tough anyway, even with one loss, because they had that non-conference game against NC State get canceled. So that didn't help their cause any. Uh, even with one loss, it would have been tough. They would have had to beat OU in two straight games probably to, to make that happen. But now with Texas beating Iowa State, all Texas has to do is beat Kansas to get in. So West Virginia can still win the Big 12. But are Mountaineers fans going to be satisfied if they win these next two weeks? They should be. But at the same time, does anyone think that's incredibly likely that West Virginia is going to win the next two weeks regardless of who their opponent is? Whether it's OU for two straight weeks or it's OU and then Texas, uh, I still think you're going to look back on this season if you're a Mountaineers fan and say, what if? What could have been? You know? Curtis, I think Dana makes some assistant coaching changes for next year. He wasn't happy at the press conference and was questioning the play calling. Well, if he was doing that again, and I uh, I haven't seen that yet. I got to look back on all the press conferences today. I'm going to be doing that throughout the day. He did the same thing after Iowa State. After Iowa State game, he basically ripped into Jake Spavadol without saying his name. And, you know, I, I could totally see that because I don't think he's entirely happy with Jake Spavadol at all. I think he feels like they got to, um, you know, they're not doing enough on offense. Remember, Danny used to call all the plays until he handed over the reins to Spavadol, and he's taken a few pot shots at the guy time and time again over the past season and a half, oftentimes well-deserved. And... You know, I, I think that he's certainly got a point there. I'd be fine with him doing that. I'd be absolutely okay with him making some coaching changes uh, amongst the assistants. So we'll see. And I know I mentioned last week that there were rumblings about Auburn. Uh, I had heard that since then, Dana's agent said no thanks uh, at all. Don't even want to take the call. Don't even want to discuss it. So he's not going anywhere. He's got his parents there in Morgantown, I believe. He's got his son uh, playing his high school ball there. I mean, he's happy. He's not going anywhere. And I still think he's a great fit for West Virginia. But some of these losses, these two losses this year, 
really frustrates you because what? I think they didn't get the ball past the 50-yard line against Iowa State, like the final three quarters. It was that bad. And then to blow this double-digit lead on a Saturday night in Stillwater, it's like uh, these are two losses that really sting. And while you can still win the Big 12, it's, it's frustrating with the way these two games went and the way these two games ended. Uh, the other game, let's go to Oklahoma and Kansas. I know a lot of you have a lot of thoughts on what happened. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, Doug says, I uh, hope the Big 12 breaks up in 2025 because Texas will lose more than schools like Iowa State. No more Longhorn Network. Texas will just be a regular university football team after that. Uh, you're wishful thinking there, Doug. I, I want the Big 12 to stay around. I think it's great for these schools, for this conference, that the schools that are in this conference. Uh, you know, I watched the game last night, Iowa State-Texas. I had a feed through Reddit. I figured it out. I'm not going to let the Longhorn Network stop me from watching football. I mean, screw them. Screw those guys. I, I'm, not, I'm not letting that happen. No way. I figured out a way to watch it. Got it on my phone. I streamed it. It was all good. Uh, all right, let's talk OU Kansas. You know, this week I, I defended OU by saying, yes, the defense is bad. There's no other way to put it. Defense is bad. But the talking heads across the country are continuing to make that a barrier to Oklahoma making the college football playoff. And now with West Virginia losing, the only team that has a chance to make the college football playoff is um, is Oklahoma. They're the only team left that can do it. But this defense had a chance to just just shut the door on all this talk and to blow the doors off of the Kansas Jayhawks. And they couldn't do it. They made Peyton Bender look decent. I mean, Puka Williams, the guy looks like he's getting ready to go to the NFL Hall of Fame with the way he's playing. 250 rushing yards? Are you kidding me? Time and time again, you just scratch your head at the way the defense is playing. And, and I think there's some animosity in that locker room. I saw a couple of tweets last night from guys on the OU defense. Um, and, jeez, I, I think there are some teammates that question, that are questioning other teammates' want and will to win and want and will to play. Puka Williams is rushing for 252 yards. He's averaging 17 yards per carry in this game. And it's not even like he had one of those 98-yard runs. His longest run was 44 yards. I mean, that's good, but it's not like he had a 98-yard rushing touchdown, which then, you know, threw the stats a lot of whack. He had 15 carries for 252 yards, and the longest was 44. Yeah, Tim writes, I didn't know Tavon Austin played for Kansas, meaning Puka Williams. I feel sick today still. I don't blame you there, Tim. It, it was, it was uh, not a good scene for your Oklahoma Sooners on Saturday. As much as they won the game, you give up 40 points, 40 points to a Kansas team that, as inept, that is as inept as it is on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, that is a horrible look, an absolutely horrible look for this team and for this program right now. With less miles now at KU, would you love to see media days across a two-day period? Well, media days is a two-day period there, Doc. It's it's Monday and Tuesday usually. In, uh, it's Monday and Tuesday in July. They always do two days. Basketball is one day for media days up here in Kansas City where I'm based out of right now. Uh, but in terms of football, it's, it's a two-day thing. 
Here is a stat I saw last night. KU's offense in Big 12 games. This is total yards for KU's offense in Big 12 games. Baylor, 271. Oklahoma State, 368. West Virginia, 286. Texas Tech, 319. TCU, 307. Iowa State, 332. Kansas State, 347. Oklahoma, 524. 524 total yards for a team that was averaging about 315, 320 yards in Big 12 play. Embarrassing, pathetic. There's no other way to put it. As good as OU's offense is, I thought the defense was starting to play better after the firing of Mike Stoops. I don't want to say it's regressed because it can't really regress from where it was. But, you know, Tim says maybe zero effort. I, you know, if there's no doubt the talent is there. I mean, how many four- and five-star guys are on this defense? More than around the offense when you go back and look at it. And there is just a problem with this unit. And I, I don't know if Ruffin McNeil was ever going to be the decision, you know, as the permanent defensive coordinator. I'm not convinced he really wants it. But Lincoln Riley's got some uh, got some work to do in figuring out who he's going to have lead his defense moving forward. The guy can recruit with the best of them, but at some point this is going to become a liability. Uh, you know, if you have four and five star guys who aren't developing and aren't growing in your system, and then as as a result aren't getting drafted maybe as high as they think they should be one day, well, that's going to hurt the program getting those guys on that side of the ball. And you don't want to be a one-dimensional team. You don't want to be known as just the amazing offense with the garbage defense. And I've tried to defend OU time and time again, and it's defense, and I have a harder time doing it uh, each and every week. All right, let's, let's touch on Les Miles. Big fan of the Les Miles hire. He was the guy I wanted Candace to go after. My reasoning was as follows. I thought that Les Miles was somebody who could open doors for Kansas that it traditionally would not be able to open. That a young up-and-coming guy like a Seth Luttrell or a Neil Brown or somebody like that would, you know, they could, all right, maybe build a program back up. But this is not your classic rebuild. This is a rebuild of a team that has been the worst Power 5 team in America for the past decade. That's how bad it's been. So you need somebody with the charisma, with the personality, to get you into living rooms that you couldn't get into. And that's why I always liked Les Miles as an option for this team. I know he's 65. I know he, you know... He, he buried himself with the old I formation and everything going on with, uh, with LSU and the lack of creativity on the offensive side of the ball. For Kansas, it's, it's about getting back to bowl eligibility, and it's about getting recruits to Lawrence that would never even consider KU. Les Miles can recruit, man. He can do it. And if can't, the key here, though, Kansas has got to make sure that they're willing to pay for assistance. You can't just pay for Les Miles and then cheap out on the assistance. It's important that Les Miles has the guys, the coordinators that he needs. And I assume this has been discussed because there's no way Les Miles has taken this job if he's just going to have to, you know, go hire an offensive coordinator for 350 grand a year, which you and I'll take, but that doesn't get you top coordinators this day and age. That doesn't do it. So I assume this has been discussed, but if he is given uh, a cupboard to deal with what he wants, then this team and this program is going to be in, in much better shape. And he is going to build it back up. And he's not going to be a young guy that's going to get him into a bowl game and then bolt for another, another job. He's got a long relationship with Jeff Long going back 30 years, the new Kansas AD. And 
This is his last stop. Guy's 65 years old. He's been turned down for jobs the last couple of years, partially because of his age. So this is it. He's not leaving you. And you hope that over five years, he can get this team back to decency and then hand the reins off to a young up-and-comer that hopefully is already within the program and then just continue that transition. That should be the ideal situation for Kansas football moving forward. So uh, I am um, big fan, big fan of the hire of Les Miles, which I guess the official announcement coming down today. Iowa State and Texas. So I'll take the heat. I picked Iowa State to win this game. I thought they would win this game. I was wrong about that. Uh, Texas's defense is coming back to life a little bit here. Brock Purdy looked human for the first time. 10th, 23, 130 yards, one interception, no touchdowns. He looked very average. He looked like a true freshman, something that nobody else in the Big 12 has been able to do. I'm concerned about Sam Ellinger's injury. You know, he left at, what was that, the end of the first or second quarter? 12 of 15, finished with, and then Shane Bouchelle comes in. Now, Bouchelle looked a hell of a lot better in this game than he did against Baylor when he came in in relief in that game. But for Texas, you beat KU, you're in the Big 12 championship game. You should be able to do that even with even with uh, Shane Bouchelle, a quarterback. And he was much better yesterday, 10 of 10, 89 yards. And a touchdown. So he clearly was more prepared than he was in that Baylor game. He was more confident than he was in that Baylor game. And those are all very important things as this team moves forward. And still, you know, I I know that probably some Texas fans think this year has been a disappointment. All you got to do is beat KU and you're in the Big 12 championship game. That's a successful season. Even if you lose the Big 12 championship game. This team's a year ahead of schedule. I thought they might win. Uh, I thought seven to nine wins was kind of the the area for Texas, and that may still end up being the case. But to be one win away against a horrible can or not horrible, but a really bad Kansas team from getting into the Big 12 championship game, no matter what happens in it, you got to consider that a successful season. So that's where Texas finds itself right now, and it got a big win at home over a very good Iowa State team, and you got by a very good defense. And, you know, Iowa State's got to be looking back on this season and say, especially the TCU game, Iowa State has got to be begging to have back that TCU game. But it looks like Iowa State is now going to play Incarnate Word on Sunday, December 1st. Remember, that game was up in the air because if they had reached the Big 12 championship game, they were not going to play Incarnate Word. So that game was rescheduled after their season opener against South Dakota, or was it South Dakota State? Uh, one of those two was canceled because of lightning in Week One. So they will be playing that game, and uh, but you know they got a great chance to find themselves at eight and four when all is said and done, and in a very good bowl game. And to think that Brock Purdy's a true freshman, you're going to have this guy moving forward. It's an exciting time to be an Iowa State fan. It it is exciting, and I know the loss was tough. But to think that, you know, in the second to last week of the season, in week 12, Iowa State fans are sitting here talking about making a Big 12 championship game a couple years after, uh, you know, the whole Paul Rhodes deal. You wouldn't sign up for that today? You would. You know it. I know it. Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much for joining the conversation. Please do share this on Facebook Live. Share it on Periscope. We appreciate that a whole lot. If you missed any of the conversation, you can watch it back. Also, you can uh, download it on iTunes. And if you do go to iTunes to uh, subscribe to the podcast, please do give us a rating and a review. The podcast is really blown up. And if you do it, email me, PeteMundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Send me a picture of your screenshot and your review on iTunes. 
and I will get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. It's a good deal. All right, guys, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Week 13 is here. We got games on Friday and Saturday, and we'll have a podcast for you midweek, so go check it out there. All right, guys, have a good one. Take care.